Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio, the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with us again this week, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am splendid as always, Chad. How are you? Oh, well, I'm never quite as splendid as you. I'm just kind of, uh, meh. I'm okay. I mean, in fairness, no one is ever as splendid as me, and so that's not really... That's true. ...a reasonable barometer, but I'm I'm sad to hear that you're meh. Well, I... Let me tell you why I I feel like that. I mean, I guess if if I were to put it... I know you're an English uh, teacher, but if I were to put it in mathematical terms... Okay. I would say I was uh, about 500. Yeah, yeah. Treading water a little bit? Treading water. You know, I feel like I'm about to feel really good at any time now. Right. But I just yeah. can't break out of this. I'm just, it's not really a funk. I'm okay. Just, I can't really, you know, do you, do you see what I'm saying? I do. So you probably feel kind of um, really... Honestly, like a lot like the Reds, right? Oh man, this was a really tortured opening to the podcast, but I love it unconditionally. Yeah, I feel kind of like the Cincinnati Reds because they've kind of been treading water here lately. And we we, we talked before we came on on here tonight about what we're going to talk about, what we're going to do. And both of us use the term uh, treading water. It's a really, it's a weird time to be talking about the Cincinnati Reds because, you know, what do you talk about? And we have some things to talk about. We've figured some things out, and I'm excited to talk to you as always, Jason. But it's just kind of a nothing to really get excited about, nothing really to get upset about. No, it's they. They are. You can. I'm. I'm figuring this out as I look. You can go all the way back to April 5th. They are exactly 500 since April 5th. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Um, our buddy Dwight Kelly, one of our patrons at Patreon.com, had posted in our uh, Slack channel over there. Uh, it's probably been a couple days ago that he did this, but at the time, last 10 games, Reds were 5-5. Five and five. The last 20 games, they were 11-9. and nine. last 30 games, they were 15-15. and 15. I mean, you know, I saw today that they hadn't won or lost three in a row in, you know, weeks. I don't know when it was, so... Uh, I mean, they even had a period of alternating wins and losses... That went from what is it, May seventeenth to May twenty seventh, which was ten straight games. They lost and won, then lost and won, then lost and won. Yeah, that sounds like a five hundred team to me. Sounds like a five hundred team, which is roughly in the neighborhood of where we thought they'd be. More runs when they win. Yeah. But, yeah. I, nothing has changed about my expectations. This team has all the pieces to go on a run, and I do expect they're going to have a, a stretch where they win, you know, six out of eight or something. I, that's, it's just going to happen, and they're going to be right in the thick of things in this uh, division. But I, I mean, I think they'll have a stretch better than that. They'll they'll probably have a like nine out of eleven stretch or something like that. Like, yeah, I can absolutely see. I'm just saying, six yeah. of eight is is that's not even crazy to think about. No, that's just normal baseball. Yeah, in, in this division, they are uh, they'll be they're they are really in the thick of things. Everyone wants to say last place, and I get it. I'm sick of the Reds being in last place every single year. But they're still really kind of in the thick of things here. I, I'm not upset with where they are on uh, June the sixth. What's yeah? It? Fine. I'd like them to not be in last. I'd like them to be in third. They could very easily be in third. A um, couple of things break slightly differently, and they are. But 
Yeah, it's all right. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's it's just going to be, I guess, easy at any point. You're just talking right now with looking at the Cardinals and, and the Pirates. It's just a matter of two or three games happening to go the right way, and the Reds are in third place. It's it's a it's just a fact. I mean, it's absolutely. It you know I think I think one thing that's important is that that as of let me look I'm not looking at the right page for updated standings so as of right now the Reds are six games out of first place and they're in last okay this is true so the next closest to first place last place team is the Miami Marlins who are eleven games back yeah. I saw someone tweeted out uh, the other day, uh, although I don't encourage anyone to go on Twitter. It's the worst website. But I, I saw someone tweet out that uh, the Reds were uh, by far the best last place team. And I'm like, man, you know, that's that's what they call damning with faint praise. Oh, my goodness. But, but the fact is, yes, they've not been great, but they're really right in the thick of things in June. And when's the last time they were uh, even this close to first place as late as June? <laughs> When was the last time it was June 6th? And we were like, hey, you know, they still might make a little bit of noise. Yeah, the season's not actually over. Instead of being like, hey, maybe if we're real lucky, they'll make a run at 500, maybe. Right. It's Actually, and I just looked it up, for 17 consecutive years now, the Reds have already been mathematically eliminated by June 6th. Seems about right. That, yeah. that matches with my memory. It's just math. So. Yeah. One month from uh, June seventh, uh, July seventh will be the All Star, the last game before the All Star break. Right. So we got so we got one more month before yeah. they uh, take their break. Where, where are the Reds going to be going into that All Star break one month from today? It's tough. I, I'm going to put them in third place still. And I'm going to say they'll be one game over 500. One game over? Yeah. I got to be optimistic. Got to be. Point of baseball if you can't be optimistic. I think they're going to win one and lose one and on alternating days all the way for the next month, and they'll be four games under and five and a half out of first. But the important thing is that when they win games, it will be by an average of five runs. And when they lose games, it will be by an average of 1.2 runs. Exactly. And we will continue to be infuriated. Exactly. We'll continue to. And their, their run differential will be plus 110 by the time we get to the All-Star break. It's so frustrating to look at the standings and see their run differential. And the Reds have one of the best ones in the league. And still kind of scuffling a little bit. So, But, you know, again, it's just sort of, it's okay. It's, it's fine. Yeah. I think, <laughs> you know. I think yeah, probably. We'll see. I don't know. What I worry about is that the Reds go on another 1-8 and eight stretch like they did to start the season. We already know they're capable of that. I, I don't worry about that. Now. Uh, I worry that it's going to happen. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. It's not likely at all. But it already did happen. What if it happens again? I don't think it will. I just I disagree with the premise. We need an 8-1 and one stretch to, to balance that out. I, I agree with that premise wholeheartedly. I guess if you look at it one way, they're uh, since since they started the season one and what were they one and eight? Is that what we said one and seven? I can't remember. One and eight. Yeah, they're one and eight. So uh, they've played two games over five hundred. Five hundred since then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know that's it's. I don't know. We're kind of searching for things to be excited about, but the fact of the matter is, everything we've been saying is still true. 
this is a really fun team to watch every day. As a matter of fact, I am enjoying the day-to-day games, just watching the games more than I have in a long time. Yeah, I was I was just saying that to, to somebody. I can't remember who, but yeah, the, the same thing. Where it's just it's they're fun to to watch, uh, and and that it's been a while it's been a while since you've been like, well, let me watch and see what happens tonight instead of let me sit down and hope the pitching doesn't implode completely. <laughs> yeah, they're not, bless his heart, Tim Adelman, love him. You know, Georgetown guy. I, I'm, I'm a partial to those Georgetown guys. Uh, <laughs> Scott Feldman, I like the St. John's guys. I like a current St. Oh, no, he's not currently a St. John's guy, but he's a St. John's guy that's a currently a Cincinnati Red. I like that guy an hey, awful lot. You guys heard it here first. Uh, Chad Dotson is a St. John's fan. Oh, I'm a St. John's Mayor Garrett fan. Um, yeah, you know, I, every day you got a pitcher going out there that you're not really, you know, you're like, oh, okay. I like watching that guy throw. I mean, I guess Anthony DiScalfani is probably the lowest on that list, but the rest of them are all like, Hey, that Tanner Roark, he's been pretty good uh, so far, yep. you know, and he hit a home run last night, you know, he's whatever. And Tyler Malley, I love. Uh, I'll, I'll do anything to watch every start of Tyler Malley and Luis Castillo. Yeah. So, so you know, and Sonny Gray, too, man. That guy's growing on me. I love it. Love that guy. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's been almost exactly what I would have said. Like, if you'd asked me before the season to say, like, what's the best case scenario for this rotation? What has happened to this point is almost exactly what I would have said. Well, results-wise, possibly, but I would never have envisioned a best-case scenario that did not involve Alex Wood really being Alex Wood for the first That's couple true. months of the year. So he is, is, have I missed news on that? He should be rehabbing soon, right? Uh, he's a week or two away from a rehab start, for, okay. from a rehab assignment. So he's getting, of course, that's going to depend on the back, and who knows. Those. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so maybe even before the All-Star break, I would. My guess is he'll be back right after the All Star break. After looking at it a little bit, I was hopeful he could get back before, but I, I bet they'll send him out on a rehab assignment and they'll have him back right after the All Star break. Now the question is, if you're the Reds and you got to make that decision today, let's say Alex Wood were ready today, yeah, what do you do? I know what I do. I've already uh, said it, but not tonight. Uh-huh. I put. I either keep Wood in the bullpen or I put Desclafani in the bullpen, and I. But either way, I send down Wandy Peralta. Yeah, I'm sending down a reliever. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I said that the Reds would send down Matt Bowman if they decided to send down a reliever. Yeah, uh, but I, I think it should be Peralta, um, and I would probably, I'd pro- I'm probably pushing, I'm probably pushing Desclafani to the bullpen. Yeah, and not that Desclafani's been awful. He's actually been about what you expect or want from a fifth starter in a lot of ways. You know, he's been good sometimes. He's been. Not good sometimes. He's clearly the number five starter out of this group. Very clearly, yeah. And, uh, and you know, I, I'd say probably the, the, the number four guy, based on results so far, is probably Mally. But Mally, listen, that, he's shown enough that he's needs to be in that group, and he has a future here. Yeah. So I don't I, – I give him the starts as long as he's healthy. Oh, so, sure. So I, I yeah. probably push Scafani to the bullpen, um, and then what's going to happen is somebody's going to get hurt. And so you know, you push Scafani back in, and maybe Alex. I don't know who's going to get. Somebody always gets hurt, and somebody may get hurt between now and the time Alex Wood comes back. But if I'm making the decisions here, I'm sending a reliever away and uh, using Scafani in the bullpen. I, it'd be interesting to see if, what they actually do, though. What do you think they will do? I, I know what I think they will do. I, they might send Molly down. Molly down. I'm not sure though. It's hard. I I really am not sure. Um, his performance has been uh, uh, good enough 
And people are going to say, he's won two games. He has a 4.26 ERA. Okay, whatever. He has been an above-average pitcher at, at age 24 and yeah. has shown so many uh, great things. Oh, I just love watching him, uh, especially when he's on. Yeah. I, I don't know how you keep a, a Di Scalfani over him, but I think he's he has options. I think he's going down. Maybe. And we'll see. I don't think the Reds win any service time games with that, though, so I don't see the point in it, really. Um, well, they were planning to – I think he was going to start the season in AAA if Wood hadn't been hurt. I'm sure he was, but, I mean, that's that was then. This is now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I see – you know, I, there's also a case to be made that you should limit Di Sclafani's innings um, for right. all obvious reasons. You know, he's he's – yeah, had 115 innings last year after not pitching at all the year before. I don't know if you really want him running up against 170 or 80 innings or whatever this year. I'm looking uh, at his numbers right now, and uh, they've really—they're worse than I thought they were. They're fine. They're, I mean, they're number five starter yeah. numbers. Yeah, he's given up a lot of home runs, but that's like every one. Everybody's given up a lot of home runs this year, and two. This is kind of a thing. I'm going to write something up about this for for Red Leg Nation soon. Um, it's going to be, I'm not sure when it'll go up. It'll go up when it goes up, but fairly soon. But one of my sort of like, I guess, like pet peeves lately in, in baseball analysis has become like not realizing what sample, like the, the the importance of sample size or whatever, I guess. Because let's see, where are his numbers? He's given up 14 home runs. That's a lot of home runs, right? That's a lot of home runs for this point in the season. If he'd only given up 10, are we having this conversation about his numbers? And how many fewer feet of fly ball does he need to have only given up 10? You, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. It's, like, it, how much is, is it just like random statistical variation? And how much is it, whoa, he's given up a lot of home runs? I don't know the answer to that. And I don't think anybody does. I don't either. Especially when we're talking about 54 innings, essentially. Yeah. So, uh, But you look at it and everybody's like, well, you know, he's been below average. He's been kind of bad. You know, I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, how many teams have fifth starters that are, you know, above average pitchers? It's the Mike Leake thing. Yeah. Mike Leake was our number five starter, and we didn't realize how good we had it. Right. You know, because most teams, that's a number three starter. So, you know, um, I'm exceptionally happy with the pitching. That's the common theme throughout the uh, the whole year. On the hitting side of the equation, I think we got to talk about your boy Votto. Yeah, you know, don't ever worry about Joey Votto. <laughs> and that's, I think that's what we said last week, which is, well, we said for the first time ever, we're worried about him. A little, <laughs> a little, you know, kind of legitimately worried for the first time. But as it turns out, <laughs> you know, uh, almost the time we said that. We also, let me say this, we followed that up with never bet against Joey Votto. Yeah. And almost immediately, he started to uh, look more like Joey Votto, except the power's still not there, but uh, everything else. Yeah, but he's yeah, he's, he's raised his batting average like not quite 50 points in a week and a half or whatever. Um, yeah. Last 10 games, yeah. 409 average, 426 on base, 477 slugging, you know, three doubles. I mean, you know... Um, uh, he's looked an awful lot like the Joey Votto. And he looks, don't, don't you agree that he looks like himself at the plate? You know, again, this is the eye test thing that we sometimes yeah. mention, but I try to stay away from it. But it, it, that Cubs game, 
uh, you know, ten about ten days ago. I think that was against the Cubs uh, in the first game of the Cubs series at Chicago. He had a bat early in that game where it just looked like he had. He did look like the old Joey Votto. Before that, he was had these. I've never seen him have more terrible swings than we saw from him in the first fifty games of the season. I mean, yeah. just ugly swings, like he was clueless at the plate. Now we know Joey Votto's not clueless. Joey, I, Votto, I mean, I just think he was making some kind of adjustment, like he does. But then, right? But then, yeah. you know, maybe he figured something out. I don't know what happened, but yes, over the last ten games, there is no question in my mind. That Joey Votto had just looked on. This is really it's sort of nebulous, where you know, where it's all anecdotal. But he's just yeah. he's looked like the Joey Votto that we've known for how many years now. So uh, I'm excited about the rest of the year. I don't think the power's ever coming back. I'm just going to be honest. I just I just don't. He's, I don't know if I really do either. I we'll see. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, think about it this way. I think before healthy Joey Votto. You expected 24, 25 home runs, and then every once in a while he'd throw up more than that. And I think probably now where we are is healthy Joey Votto. You expect 10 to 15 home runs, but nobody's going to be surprised if he throws up 21 or 22 one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's 10 to 15. I think, but he's going to get on base. Uh, his average is going to get bumped. He's already bumped it up, like you said, almost 50 points in a yeah. week. Um, he's going to be getting on base enough. I think he's going to transitioning from that number three hitter into a really ideal number two guy. And that's fine. Yep. That's, that's, that's life. And that's what happens. Yep. So yeah, go, uh, go Joey Votto. What do we think about Nick Senzel after one month? Uh, I think that we were right when saying that he was ready to be called up, you know, before this time last year. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's to me, that's, that's what I wrote this week was that first, at, the first two at bats when he saw 15 pitches total in two at bats, that was proof positive to me that this guy's ready right now. Yeah, and I didn't know what he was gonna, how he was gonna perform. I, you know, you don't know any of that stuff. He's a rookie and he's learning the league, and pitchers are learning him. But through uh, his first full month, he's been good. I mean, you know, I've got no issues whatsoever with uh, Nick Senzel, and yeah. uh, been almost exactly a league average hitter. Yeah, in his first in up the middle <laughs> premium defensive position. And, and this is probably the floor of what we can expect from his performance, you know, in a lot yeah. of ways. But but he's getting on base. He's walking. He, he has an above-average walk rate. He gets on base consistently. And here's yeah. what I like uh, Wick Terrell, our buddy over at uh, RedReporter.com. He had a, a, a tweet that I thought was a fun way to look at his uh, first month of the season. If you prorate his the current production that he has, if you, if you look at it over an entire 162-game season. Yeah. It was uh, when I looked at it. It was 185 hits, 35 doubles, 12 triples, 23 homers, 29 stolen bases, 69 walks. That's that's not bad for a rookie. No, and and let me tell you, there's going to be more power than we've seen so far. That's coming. Um, don't don't doubt that. Whatever whatsoever, and the average is going to go up. The walks might stay about where they are for a while. Uh, you know, he's got above average plate discipline, but he's not Joey Votto with walks. Um, but his walk his walk rate is still above average. But the 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 average is going to go up. The power is going to go up. Strikeouts probably going to go down a little bit. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be good. And he's on a path, the opposite path that Joey Votto's on, which is that he leadoff hitter right now and a really good leadoff hitter. Love having him at the top of the lineup. Yeah. But he, he at some point is going to become that number three guy. 
to me, I, I, I think he's going to be in the middle of that lineup every day, driving in runs. Um, you know, he's not going to be a huge power hitter, but the power is it's coming. I mean, you, you, we've seen it already. I mean, gosh, some of the, you know, not just opposite field, but he, he's, he pulled one, just destroyed it. So, um, what do you th- make of his defense? Because every time I praise him, I got some Yahoo coming at me in the comments saying, yeah, but, uh, you know, his, the defensive metrics, he's the worst center fielder in baseball. Not really, but the metrics okay, show that well, he's bad. Let's, okay, anyone who is using 30 games of defensive metrics as some sort of definitive proof has no idea what they're talking about. Because the current understanding with the metrics that we have available to us publicly is you need two to three seasons of data before you can say anything right. about how good or bad somebody is in the field. So 30 games, that's like deciding that like after 50 plate appearances, somebody is or is not a good hitter. It's ridiculous. Um, but, I mean, to the, to the eye test, I think he looks fine and somewhat inexperienced. Every once in a while, he'll make a play that's really nice, and then every once in a while, he makes a play where it's like, yeah, you know, in a year, you probably make that play where, he, where he'll miss it. Um, and, yeah. you know, that's, that's okay. It's growing pains. He looks, he looks pretty normal to me out there, I guess, uh, in terms of a center fielder. He's also probably suffering from the fact that he's not Billy Hamilton. Um, which is what people are used to, but nobody's Billy Hamilton except Billy Hamilton. But I think as a center fielder overall, he's fine. Um, he's better than Shinsu Chu. Billy. I miss Billy. I don't miss him in the lineup, but I miss Billy. What a fun. fun. He was. I, no, I think the, right now the eye test is as, to me, as viable a way to evaluate his defense as the metrics because the metrics are almost useless at this point. Except for one, you know, he's he's well above average sprint, uh, sprint speed. Statcast shows he is fast. People he, were not ready for how fast he was. Yeah, uh, unless you were a listener to Red Lake Nation Radio, where you've been saying that for a while. Um, yeah. I, to me, yeah, he absolutely passes the eye test. He has uh, some maturing to do. You do see those great catches. You see some great throws, but uh, he clearly needs to learn the position more. But you, you talk about some of those moments, and we've all seen them where he's just like, oh, it's not great. But this, yeah. but to me, it's a rookie who has played thirty, what thirty-seven games in center field in his entire life. Yeah, and he's learning at the big league level. And you know what? While learning at the big league level, he's not bad because you know what? David Bell's had him out there for every single inning since he's been up. Yeah, you know this is this is kind of a weird metaphor, but you know whatever. I'm an English teacher; I can make weird metaphors. It's, you know, watching him in center field, it's kind of like watching somebody who is like a really good cook, like a really excellent cook, making something for the first time. Where it's like, you know, it's still going to like taste totally good, but it's probably not as good as it's going to be after they make it three or four more times. Right. And eventually it's going to be great. Yeah. But, you know, you'll learn. Wow. That's a little bit of a... uh... Kitchen metaphor, it came out of nowhere. I, you know, that's what I do. You sure that wasn't a simile? Uh, well, I did use the word like, so technically it is a simile. But I'll tell you what I tell my English students, which is that similes and metaphors are incredibly similar, and, and it's really kind of a fuzzy distinction, Ooh. despite what all of your past English teachers told you, because sometimes it's easy to have a right and a wrong answer instead of a fuzzy answer. 
get an English lesson today. Out, outstanding. I had no I idea that was coming. All kinds of, I got, I got all kinds of things. <laughs> all right. So, so the Reds are kind of, eh, they are what they are. Yeah. At, at this point, uh, nothing, ha- else. yeah, nothing has changed in my opinion of this team. And I'm just waiting. It's kind of frustrating to wait. Yeah. To me. Um, what do you think about the uh, the draft? I don't care. <laughs> you know, it was. You know, this wasn't you, my my understanding, and and I read a little bit of of coverage, I guess, or whatever, just to see what's going on. The Reds didn't have a pick as high as what they have had recently, and like I guess, kind of in addition to that, it, it, I don't know. It's just. This my understanding is that this was a pretty mad class, and and you know whatever the Reds got a pitcher, they got some other guys. Yeah, I don't know. It'll probably be all right. Yeah, you know whatever. It, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, you know whatever. Perfectly sums up my feelings. I, I talked to Doug uh, Gray, our buddy uh, who runs Reds minor leagues and Reds uh, RedLegNation dot com, and uh, we talked. Obviously, if you all probably listened, some of you better have listened to the. Uh, surprise podcast we dropped earlier in the week just to discuss the first two rounds and who the Reds took and you know go listen to that Doug had some great information and I admitted at that point you know I, I, I don't pay attention to the draft frankly because I I don't know what purpose it serves for me to pay a whole lot of attention to because you never you don't know there's a thousand guys out there and you don't know who the Reds are gonna be able to get and uh, once they get him then I'll learn these guys I'm happy really happy with the guy they took in the first round Lodolo uh, you yeah. know um Best pitcher available in the draft. Sure, it's a weak draft, everyone says, but whatever. I'd like to have the best pitcher in the draft, <laughs> you know, all things being equal. Um, to me, the best part was with their 39th round pick, the Reds drafted a guy from uh, the University of Cincinnati. He's a center fielder, and his last name is spelled this way. I'm not even going to try to uh, pronounce it. AJ is, is is what he goes by, but his uh, last name B U M P A S S. That's funny. AJ Bumpus. I'm not gonna Bumpus. say it, I'm not gonna say it the way that I read it the first time I saw it. But uh, that's the 39th round pick, so I hope he makes it. That, the thing about this is, we'll find out soon enough which of these guys really adjust to the big leagues, or not the big leagues, but the professional baseball. We'll see, you know, we're going to find out which ones are real prospects at this point. Um, you just don't know. You just don't know at this point. Outside the top two guys, two, two or three guys who, you know, that's, that's the reason I got drafted up that high. The rest of it is all, it's a crap shoot. Yeah. It's a bumpus shoot. It's a bumpus. Bumpus. Yeah. That, so, that didn't work. So, so this is random and we didn't talk about this beforehand. This is just me looking at stuff. I, 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 can I can I throw something random at you? Bring it on, man! This is a conversational podcast. We go wherever it takes us. It is conversational. It okay? is. So we know that early on, um, you know, the whole problem with the Reds was that they just weren't hitting like they were supposed to hit, right? <laughs> Definitely, that was the problem. Right? Yes. Okay. And it's in, and it still kind of feels that way, you know, like they, they still aren't quite maybe where they should be. But I was just looking this up. Would you care to take a guess? I'm using uh, W Runs Created Plus for this number. At what Jose Peraza's W Run Created Plus is, I've got his game log back to May 8th. 
Oh gosh. Um, for the full season or just the game? No, just May 8th, May 8th to, to now to yesterday, I guess, because this isn't going to include today's game. Okay. I'm going to say, and of course, uh, weighted runs created plus for everyone, for anyone who's not familiar with it. I, uh, it correct me if I'm wrong about this. 100 would be league average. Yes. And so like, you know, 110 would be 10% above league average. Yeah. Jose Peraza since May 8th. So we're talking basically a month here. Yeah. Although he's not played full time during that month. I'm going to say 92. 117. Yikes. Is that? (laughs) You just blew my mind. Did we just become best friends? We did. Also, he's walked 12.5% of the time and struck out 4.7% of the time. When is someone going to knock that kid in the head and tell him when you walk, your production goes through the roof? Not through the roof, it's, but it approaches the roof. You know, I keep I, I keep saying that people need to not give up on Jose Peraza, and fortunately, he keeps proving me right. <laughs> well, he's been bad overall this season. He was abysmal for the first month of the season. That happens every time. I don't know what his approach is or what happens, but every single time he has one of those stretches, he's never walking. He's swinging at everything. Yeah. And well, when, that's, I mean, that's always been the issue with him. He's, you know, I've said multiple times he's never going to walk a ton, but he does get into funks where he just swings at everything. But it's so obvious with him. You can tell when he's going a little bit better. He, yeah. he ha- he's, has the ability to have the, a decent approach at the plate. Right? Am I right about that? Because you see it in, for long stretches. Yeah, for, no, you're right. He does. And, and I, I assume that he will, you know. But if he keeps hitting like that, you know, in another month, nobody's going to complain about his numbers. What if he's in AAA next week? He shouldn't be. Scooter Jeanette's coming back. What's going to happen? Uh, man, who is on even on the bench right now? I can't keep track. Uh, Josh Van Meter is going to go down. That's what's going to happen. That's what should happen. And if, and then if Josh Van Meter doesn't go down, maybe Kyle Farmer is going to go down. Like, that's what should happen. Yeah. Actually, it should not even be a question that it would be Van Meter. Yeah, it really should. I mean, not, not that I have anything against Van Meter. You know, he's been yeah. whatever. He's not played well, early at all. But realistically, it probably shouldn't be a question that it's Kyle Farmer. No, I send down Van Meter. He ain't Van. Let's get Van Meter down. Let's see some more from him. Let's get a bigger track record. For I him. guess that's true. Let's go get him some some everyday plate appearances. Yeah, because his track record is uh, limited. Uh, it's very good this year, since he changed his swing. I was just looking at the age, and I was seeing that Kyle Farmer is twenty eight and Van Meter is twenty four. If I'm picking one of those guys to be on my team long term, it's probably Van Meter. Though probably neither of them is going to be true. But true. Um, I I probably keep Farmer around because he's. Uh, he is uh, bubbling over with adequacy, adequata citizy. He is and, very adequate. And he plays a lot of positions. Yeah. So, uh, and also because Van Meter, I just don't know what to make of him yet. I want to see yeah. him playing every day more and not that's in fair. Cincinnati. That's, that's, that's fair. You changed my mind. You're right. So, but I, you know, I've been concerned for a while it's going to be Peraza, which I'm, I'm with you, man. I think that's crazy. Peraza is yeah. never going to be. You know, a superstar shortstop. I mean, I know people are going to disagree with me, but the only middle infielder the Reds have who should be playing every day, no matter what, is Jose Peraza. 
And the oh, if if the Reds were like going toe to toe with the Cubs this year, I would say fine, ride the hot hand. But they're not. Yeah. So he's twenty five. You put Jose Peraza in there. That's what you do. He's just twenty five. Yeah. People always forget that about him, and also people tend to forget that last year was he a superstar? No, but no. at age twenty four, pretty good player. There are right now among the offensive players two players on the roster younger than Jose Peraza, Nick Senzel and Josh Van Meter, and that is it. Everybody else on the team is older than Jose Peraza. Yeah, I like that Nick Senzel. And Jose, well, yes, me too. But Jose Peraza has been in the big leagues for a long time. That, he made his debut at 21, and that's why people sort of tend to forget he's still impossibly young. Yeah, and yeah, there's a big difference between struggling in the big leagues when you're 21 or 22 or 23, and struggling when you're 26 or 27 or 28. Yeah, yeah, and and he has a, a season at age 24 that was an above average season. Yeah, how many players can do that? Not very many. I think just that when he's going bad like he has, uh, he did the first part of the season, man, he's really bad. I mean, he's honestly, what he reminds me a lot of is like a sort of very strange middle infield version of Jay Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're like, Bruce would just go into these slumps and you were just like, what is this? How can the guy who looks so good also look this bad? And then he would, the switch would flip and for a month and a half, you can't get him out. Before we before we go back to Peraza, can we just tip our caps collectively towards Jay Bruce, whose debut with the Phillies was amazing? Yes, home run, double, grand slam. Oh, I still love that guy. I do too. He's so affable. Affable, man. But Peraza, okay. So about Peraza though, he's been playing some left field lately. Yeah, not great out there. I actually do not have a problem with that. What do you think about it? Um, I I mean. Well, let me tell you why I don't. Let me tell you first why I don't have a problem with it, and then you can tell me what you think. Because I think Peraza is becomes more valuable. He has a chance of making a lot more money, in my opinion, if he continues to progress at other positions other than middle infield. If he can really learn to play out there, he's athletic enough to play there, to play center field. Um, he's shortstop, second base. I just think you can move him around, get him five hundred at bats still, and he can be a I keep calling it a super sub. I don't have a problem with him in that role. You yeah, like, you, I think you say that kind of almost every week, and then almost every week I'm like, but he's really good defensively or in the middle infield, certainly better than, say, like Derek Dietrich, who also plays a lot of positions. So why don't you play Peraza at second every day, let him give Iglesias a day off at short every now and again, and play Derek Dietrich in five different positions every week? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Oh, I think like, that's just uh, defensively. I think that's I think that's the best route to take. It, you know, because he can play those premium defensive positions and play them reasonably well. And so I, you know, it's I. You're not wrong. I mean, it's 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 potentially useful if he can play left field, especially like late in the game and stuff like that. But in a day to day level, if you've got the athleticism and the and the ability that Jose Peraza has, then I think you want him. In the middle infield, it's not something like it is with Scooter Jeanette, where second is really the only place he can play. It's that he plays second base very well. Uh, I'm, I'm crying here, Jason. You, you you just said I'm not wrong. That's the first time ever. 
I, I've said that multiple times in just this one podcast. I will have to uh, make fun of you more in order to balance things out. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen when Scooter gets back because the Reds haven't, uh, not regardless of who they send down, with Peraza and Scooter and Dietrich. I, I, don't, I don't know how David Bell's going to manage this. But he has to manage it because that's literally his title. Yeah, and I, I mean, I will also say this, is that <sighs> Scooter hasn't started rehab yet. Do we know when he's going to start it? Uh, soon, like any mm-hmm. day now. Okay. Um, so it's going to be mid-June before he debuts with the Reds? I would say yes. That's a, that's a fair estimate. And the Reds are not going to sign him to play next year. Because if they were, they would have done that already. Yep. And he's not tradable. I think no one trades for Scooter Jeanette before July thirty first. I think that the nobody's Reds... trading anything of value for Scooter Jeanette before July thirty first. Oh no, that's true. But I think the Reds may play him every day in hopes that they can sucker someone in if he gets hot. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense to me, though. It doesn't to me either. It's been shown over the last year and a half. There's no market for that guy. I love no. Scooter. I love me some Scooter. I know Hash Brown, Jason hates Scooter, but I love Scooter. But there's no market for him. He's not that valuable on the open market. It's still what it is. I mean, I'm, it's not a criticism of Scooter. That's reality. So you've got Scooter, you got Dietrich, you got Peraza, you got Jose Iglesias for those middle infield spots. Who's yeah. the one, who's the one guy you know is going to be around past next season? Peraza. Yeah, I, listen, on my depth chart right now, Scooter is last. And he should be like regardless of how much I hate Scooter or how much everybody thinks I hate Scooter, he should be last on that depth chart just empirically. If you look at the situation the Reds are in, it does not make any sense to play the guy who's been hurt the last two years, isn't going to be with your team after this year, and has no trade value. His name is Scooter. That's fun. And he's from Cincinnati, I know. And we all Four have to get excited runs. about it. But Four home runs in one game. Yeah, congratulations, Scooter. All-star. Hash Brown, Chad loves Scooter. Chad does love Scooter. But if I had to put a depth chart with those four guys... <laughs> Yeah, he's, I mean, he, he and Iglesias, first of all, that, that's where you start. Yeah. They are, neither one are bound to the Reds past this year. Yeah. Peraza is. Dietrich has at least another year, presuming the Reds offer him uh, arbitration, which you would think they would. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, it's going to be interesting, though, because he is a fan favorite. Yeah. And he, he has been a good hitter. Since he came to Cincinnati. I mean, that's inarguable. You may want to argue it. I don't think you will. He's been a good hitter. Or argue that. Okay, excellent. <laughs> At no point ever have I argued that Scooter hasn't been a good hitter. I've argued that he's not the kind of person you invest in because he is a late bloomer type, and those guys usually have three or four good seasons, and then they're done. Well, I may have said it here on the podcast. I don't remember, but I'm going to repeat it if I have. The proof to me for why the Reds were so smart not offering him a long-term contract and some kind of big money extension is that 
just three months ago, they went out and signed Derek Dietrich to a minor league deal. Both are 29. Dietrich's about 10 months older than Scooter. But he's, you know, they've had roughly similar careers, although Dietrich does not yet have a four home run game. He may. He does not yet have a all star appearance. He may. But he very well make the team <laughs> this year. Right. That's what I'm saying. So you've gone out and gotten a guy who's roughly Scooter, but a little bit more versatile. <laughs> you know, you can play him in different places. And you got him for free, essentially. Not really, but yeah, essentially. So that's why you don't spend money on Scooter is because you can go get a guy like Scooter. Even though he's good, for whatever reason, the market doesn't value what he provides right now, as evidenced by Derek Dietrich. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, quickly, before we get into some uh, viewer mail, I wanted to ask you this question, and I forgot to t- mention it before we came on, so we're going to get your unprepared comments. If you had to rank the... Ever prepare for this. (laughs) I know, right? It's a conversational podcast. We just talk about the Reds. Why don't we pick a different topic to talk about? Why does it always have to be the Reds? What you got? (laughs) Let's stick with the Reds for now. Top three candidates to make the National League All-Star team for the Reds. Top three. I'll give you my top three, and then you can tell me what you think about them. Uh, since I didn't ask you to prepare. The top three candidates were one month away from the All-Star game. Number one, Luis Castillo. Number two, Derek Dietrich. Number three, Jose Iglesias. Uh, I agree with number one wholeheartedly. I don't think there is any candidate who is more of a lock from the Reds to make the All-Star team right now than Luis Castillo. Assuming he continues his production. Yeah. I mean, if, if the Reds get into, you have to have one. Yes. Then it's Castillo for sure. Um, Dietrich is interesting. We'll see. Uh, I, I, I kind of. Dietrich is eighth on the Reds in number of plate appearances. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, there's still a little time. I, I would, you know, I, I don't know. I think in terms of, it's, I kind of want to say Suarez and I kind of want to say Garrett. I can see Amir Garrett. That's a good one. That's a good one. The third base is so loaded. That's why I didn't, I didn't say Suarez. He's been good. He's been Eugenio Suarez. Yeah. Uh, but there's so many good third basemen. Amir yeah. Garrett, that's that's one I could see. 1.75 ERA. He's uh, sort of a fun guy to watch. Mm, yeah. I, like, I, I just think uh, Iglesias, because he's actually hitting right now. He's a roughly league average hitter and maybe the best defensive shortstop in the league. That's why. Oh, we're talking about uh, Jose Iglesias. Who who did you think we were talking about? I thought you were talking about Rossell Iglesias. Aha! See? Jose Iglesias, the former Tiger, he plays shortstop for the Reds now. Yeah, no, he's not going to be an all-star. He has no shot. That's not happening. <laughs> what happened to hashtag Chad's always right? Uh, well, sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think he's the number three candidate on this roster to make the all-star team? No way. No chance. Look at the shortstops around the league. 
No, I'm looking it up right now so I can prove to you how much there is no chance. No, none whatsoever. He, he, no, there's a 0% chance. So right now, qualified batters at shortstop, uh, Jose Iglesias is ninth in wins above replacement in the National League. Yeah, but he's such a good defender. Cool, he's not making the All-Star team. He's a league average hitter and a great defender. Yeah, he's not making the All-Star team. You're wrong. I am incredibly correct. You know, when when he and Kyle Farmer head to the All-Star game, you're going to be eating those words right here on this podcast, buddy. I, I, I don't understand how one can eat words. You're a... You're an English teacher. Listen, you- I'm I'm an English teacher, and I understand that the two shortstops, uh, that the, basically the two best teams in the National League have star players at shortstop, <laughs> and their fans vote, and they are names. And no, no, Jose Iglesias is not going to the All Star game. Okay, first of all, I didn't say he was going to the All Star game. I said he was my number three candidate among current. Reds as they currently stand. No, that's incorrect. That's no. You've no. Pro- after after thinking about it, I didn't consider Garrett. After thinking about it, I think you, you I would probably put push Garrett to that third spot. I I would I Dietrich's number two. Well, I'm just I'm flabbergasted right now. I'm flabbergasted, Chad. <laughs> My flabber is gasted. Well, evidently, um, yeah. You, you disagree with Dietrich? No, Dietrich, I think, is fine. I think Dietrich would maybe be, he would be my three or four, I think. Who's uh, two? Garrett, two for uh, you? Maybe. I don't know. I think it's one, and then I think it's like th- three or four or five other guys who you could throw darts. Yeah. If it happened right now, it's probably just Castillo if they if they chose today. Yeah. So, well, which is fine. Whatever. Anyway, that's just a, always a, I'm still a sucker for all-star game talk. As, I like I like the All Star Game. I always watch it. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, you want to answer some uh, viewer mail questions? I always want to answer listener mail questions. Hash Brown viewer mail. As always, these are actual letters from actual viewers. None of these people know what I look like. <laughs> you wish that were true, Jason. But they are watching you every single week on this podcast. Knowledge is evil. <laughs> Joseph Prince. Ask us a question at patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you can also go to support to Red Leg Nation Radio. Joseph Prince asks, with the change in the way pitchers are now used, what stats will be necessary for entry into the Hall of Fame for today's pitchers? Oh, that's a fun question. It is a fun question because, you know, for years, 300 wins. When we were growing up, 300 wins, uh, you're in, you know. No one is ever going to get 300 wins again, probably. I don't know, maybe. But what do you think? With the change in the way pitchers are now used, what stats will be necessary for entry into the Hall of Fame for today's pitchers? And I just, I'm not sure I know the answer to that. It's a good question, Joseph. Do you have any thoughts? Um, I think it's going to become a lot more, frankly, for pitchers especially, um, about wins above replacement. Um, I think like, I just want to, I'm, I'm, I want to look something up as we talk about this. So the active, there are only two active pitchers with more than 200 wins. Um, and that's CC Sabathia 
and and Scott Feldman. And yes, no, and Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm, they're good. Um, Grinky will will get there. He's he'll he's seven wins away. Um, a guy like Chris Sale will get there. Yeah, where is Chris Sale? Will he? He'll get there. Yeah, with pitchers, man, you never know. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah. So it's not going to be wins. No, I feel like it's going to be wins above replacement. And I feel like this is the other thing is that um, it's going to have to be a fairly lower threshold than people would expect. I think so. I think you can get elite. I don't know. Sales only got 105 wins and he's 30. Chris Sale will get to 200 wins. If he doesn't, then we will discuss it on the podcast. In ten years, we're still doing this in like ten years. <laughs> yeah, man. I think, I think that's it's going to have to be contract extension in my mailbox. Yes, it's going to have to be wins above replacement. I mean, or some whatever the next stat is that like uh, you know what do you think maybe company. like finishing a career with more than two hundred wins and more than like fifty wins above replacement. Maybe, but we also may not know. Because we don't really know at this point where we're going with the development of pitchers in terms of, or the usage of pitchers. Yeah. You know, uh, will it, will any reliever ever make it if uh, we go to a, a system where it's, uh, you know, pitchers are best, the best relievers are used in the highest leverage situations and saves aren't used to, you know, to, to quantify how good you are. I mean, I don't think any relief pitcher should be in the first place, but that's a controversial opinion. Well, so. what, if they, what if they start pitching more innings, though? That's what I'm saying. We don't. It's a different conversation. Yeah, I mean, um, it's. <laughs> I think we're going to have a, a a voting group that's going to get more and more focused on the advanced metrics. That's already happening. Yeah, and uh, you know. It's got to be something like wins above replacement, but I don't know what the threshold's going to be. I think pitching is much more difficult to project how it's going to, because it's changed so much just in the last few years. I, I don't see where it's going. I don't know. I don't either. I kind of wonder if at some point it's going to kind of snap back because Matt Scherzer exists. Yeah. And I, there are guys like him out there. I hope it snaps back. Probably guys right now who are being pulled every day after 90, 95 pitchers, pitches who could go out and throw 120 pitches and be none the worse for wear. Yeah. That, maybe we'll, maybe we'll, the, you know, baseball will be better about identifying those guys and figuring yeah, out which guys can know, handle a bigger workload. And I, I think it's all in flux right now. Yeah. I, I made an argument. I wrote something over a year ago, but I, I really liked it. Like I liked diving into it. The, where the idea was basically like to get a sense of what the limit is for your pitcher, you know, what you can reasonably expect from them in terms of innings, and then get that, like plan for that. So have a guy who you can get 200 plus innings from, and then also know that your guy who's going to give you 110 excellent innings is only going to give you 110 of them, um, you know, to, to some extent at least. You know, some guys are going to break and some guys aren't. And that with pitchers, that's just the way it is. I don't, I don't know that like all of the limiting and and stuff like that has, has really had done anything with injuries. Um, and I think that like, there's, you know, we've, there's been a lot of talk about how guys 
don't know how to pitch in the same way anymore. I don't know. It's it's going to be an interesting next. I don't feel like what maybe four or five years in terms of figuring out what happens with the starting pitcher in baseball. Yeah, yeah, I, and I really don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. Since we're talking Hall of Fame, we haven't had another viewer mail question at patreon.com slash redlegradio from our buddy Andrew Scott Wills. Andrew asks, if Joey Votto doesn't go to the Hall of Fame, I'm going to be really upset. What kind of minimum numbers does he need to finish out his career and still get the Cooperstown call? I, I wrote a column that he's there now last year. So I think what we just talked about, about the fact that voters are getting more sophisticated. Yeah. I think they're not going to look at the fact that he has, he'll end up with more than 2,000 hits. He's getting there. Yeah. He's, you know, the next year or two, he'll get there. But, um, but people are going to realize, you know why? He's not getting that many hits because he's getting on base uh, via the walk so much. And that really helps his team. Yeah. His on base percentage gets him in. I think so. I think if he retired today, you know, I, I'm not going to bet the ranch on it, but. It might take him a little bit if he retired today. Yeah. 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 But but if he has a normal aging curve, curve the rest of the way, I just cannot see, given the way that, again, voters are becoming more sophisticated. Um, yeah. I just, I cannot see any way that Joey Votto, who's on base percentage, even if it drops some through this de- decline because of age, you know, it's going to be one of the best on base percentages in the history of baseball. It, he's an elite hitter. I don't see any way you can keep him out. Yeah, no. There, basically, there's there's no player besides Barry Bonds who has gotten on base like Joey Votto in the last seventy years. True, but we we still have his decline years ahead yeah. of us. But I think even if you include that in the mix, I just I don't see it. I think the only way he doesn't make the Hall of Fame is if he gets hurt tomorrow or or sometime soon. To me, I, yeah. All right, uh, good question, Andrew. And I always like uh, talking about Joey Votto, so send those questions in. Scott Boykin asks at Patreon, Chad, you mentioned seeing fish at Madison Square Garden. I did see fish at Madison Square Garden. Speaking of things Chad's wrong about, anyway. Fish or Madison Square Garden? Fish. Fish is great. Oh, fish is. Get out of town with that. Scott's question is, what is your favorite concert venue... And then a bonus question, would you see Bruce Springsteen in said venue? All right, so my favorite con- concert venue, I really uh, I really enjoyed Madison Square Garden. It's a great place to, to see a show. Uh, my favorite concert venue is probably Alpine Valley Music Theater, which is outside of Milwaukee. Man, that place was fun, and we saw a couple of great shows there a few years ago. The bonus question, would I see Bruce Springsteen in said venue? I would never, ever pay a single dollar to see Bruce Springsteen, the most overrated musician in the history of uh, music. I would I, never in a million years. I'm sorry. Are you disagreeing with me? I, I just... He's garbage. I, how hard How hard should I go right here, Chad? How hard should I go? <laughs> well, let me say this, and then you can respond however hard you... I don't care. Listen, man. You do what you want to do. A couple weeks ago when uh, Bill was on, uh, and Bill's not on this, uh, this week, and I don't know when I'm going to get him back because he went to Key West, that guy. But anyway, uh, we had a question about uh, uh, music, rock music, and uh, I said I made a joke about the Eagles being garbage. The only reason I said that was because uh, it's that's a line that uh, 
Jeff Lebowski says in uh, one of my favorite movies, The Big Lebowski, he hates the Eagles. That's his thing. I don't, I don't really care about the Eagles either way. But Bruce Springsteen, that guy's really not good. He's, I mean, he's really not. He's the well, no, I'm not gonna say he's not good. He's okay, but he's the single most overrated musician in the history of music. I would pay music, pay money to see Hanson in concert. A little mm-bop. All, right. All right, I got, I got, and I say. wouldn't pay to see Bruce Springsteen. I <laughs> first, I'm gonna answer the first part of the question. Um, I think my favorite music venue um, there is a gorgeously restored theater here in Louisville called the palace. Um, and I've seen it, not a lot, but I've seen a few shows there. Um, and it's wonderful. Um, for those, there might be some people who are familiar with, uh, Alison Krauss's live album, uh, that was recorded at the palace. Hmm. Um, and it's, she even talks about it on, on, you can hear her on the record say something about it being the most beautiful theater that they've played. Um, and it's, it's gorgeous. It's, it's an amazing place, um, to see, uh, to see a, uh, an act. Um, Before you attack me, though, let me add something because you just reminded me. I'm going to forget it. The Tennessee Theater in Knoxville, Tennessee. I saw uh, Jason Isbell there. Also saw Brian Regan, comedian there. Uh, that's a that's a beautiful venue. I like that one, the uh, Tennessee Theater. Anyway, all right, hit me. Go ahead, let's do it. Just hearing somebody who I know has paid lots of money to see Fish and Dave Matthews talk about <laughs> Springsteen as being overrated is just. It's. I didn't know you had that much gall in you. <laughs> it's not a bad point, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. I mean, really, like, like. Well, listen. I went into this acting like he was bad. He's not bad. I just think he's just completely overrated. He's not to your taste. I don't. I don't, I don't get it. Man, I don't like. I don't. Get I, it. I I love Bruce Springsteen, um, and have for a long time. I don't uh, get it. You know, we're, we, we differ on that. I, I will just say that, you know, what it is for me with Bruce Springsteen really is the lyrics. And he is quite a good writer. Um, like he gets he, he just is. I mean, you know, I, I'm not I'm like any writer. You could take his a selection of 12 of his worst songs and, and you would have some pretty bad lyrics. But boy, you take his 20 or 30 best songs. And, and that is that is some some fantastic lyrical writing and and musically I also enjoy him very, very much. I think there's, I think especially in his earlier stuff, he, he has a way of orchestrating and and doing unexpected things that in, in changing tempos, I I think I can kind of understand people who only knew, know Bruce Springsteen is born in the USA. Bruce Springsteen is, is maybe not liking that that much, but if you can listen to his first three albums and tell me that you don't enjoy those, I don't understand you at all. Overrated. Ah. How long? Hey, have you ever given him a try? Have you given him like the early Springsteen a try, Chad? Yes, because one of my younger brothers, uh, he likes Springsteen, and um, I really tried. I really did try. I just don't get it. And in terms of songwriters, let me just go ahead and add this, and we'll move on. Uh, It's turned into a music podcast uh, in recent weeks, but. Songwriters, there are no two songwriters currently on the scene better than Jason Isbell, who I just mentioned, who's unbelievable. Even better songwriter, Craig Finn, who has a new solo album out, but he's the uh, he's the guy behind the Hold Steady. Those are the two songwriters that, if you haven't listened to them, those guys are crazy good. 
Springsteen was born in the USA. Hey, how about that uh, speedball pitch he threw by you back in high school? Chad. Matt Sheary asks at patreon.com slash redlegradio, hash brown viewer mail, where do you see Sinzel in three to five years? A solid player, all-star, or maybe something more? Also, not a question, but a shout-out to my brother John for turning me on to this podcast. It's made Fridays that much better. Hey, John, appreciate you, buddy. Uh, appreciate you too, Matt, but uh, thanks, John, for turning Matt on to us. Where do you see Sinzel in three to five years? A solid player, all-star, or maybe something more? All-star. He's an all-star. At least, yeah. Yeah, uh, there's always the chance he's going to be something more, but I, I would uh, bet the ranch on him being an all-star level player. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't, I, think, I don't think there's any question. Especially yeah. after seeing how he's reacted to uh, yeah. his first taste of the big leagues. Hooper Powell asks at Patreon, do you see a market at the trade deadline for Rosella Iglesias? That's his first question. Let's answer that one, then I will go to his second question. Do you see a market at the trade deadline for Rosella Iglesias? Yeah, probably. I think so. And, and truthfully, given what we've seen since he opened his big mouth and com- whined and complained about the way he was being used, and then David Bell responded by only using him in traditional save situations, I don't have a problem trading him, frankly, because they're not getting the best value out of him, so maybe they can get more value in trade. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you think there's a market? Oh, because I'm sure there's a market. Got to be. Yeah. He's, he's good. He's still good. Yeah. yeah. Hooper's uh, next question, was Luke Stowe a better first baseman than Scott Hatterberg? The answer is obviously because Adam from Milwaukee told us that he was. The famous Adam from Milwaukee where Adam Dunn, I liked Adam Dunn. I liked him better than Bruce Springsteen anyway. You know, you know who cites Bruce Springsteen as a big influence? I thought this was true, and I had to look it up. Oh, gosh. Is it Adam Dunn? No, it's Jason Isbell. Crap. <laughs> All right, you win this he round. Bruce, he covers Bruce Springsteen in concert. You win. He never has. I've seen him three times. He hasn't. Because I would have walked out if he started talking about his speedball pitch. <laughs> so... Man, I was I was enjoying reminiscing about Adam from Milwaukee, and you bring Springsteen back in. Hey, you you know what? You brought it. Yeah, I know. All right, one last uh, viewer mail question, and this one comes from Twitter.com, Twitter.com slash Redleg Radio. This is from Petros Wheels at Petros Wheels. That's an interesting handle, I think, every time I see that. But anyway, when the sorrowful day comes... And it is going to be a sorrowful day for you and I, especially you, Jason Linden. And number 19 retires. You want to go ahead and tell our listeners who number 19 is? That's Mr. Joey Votto. Joey Votto. Where do you predict he falls on the all-time Reds hit list? Probably should have answered this back with the question about the Hall of Fame. Um, Petros thinks he'll end up replacing number five at the five spot. That obviously is John Bench, the most valuable player in Reds history, according to R&R Madness. So, Joey Votto right now has 1,780 hits in his career. Yeah. He is number nine on the Reds' all-time list. This week, he will pass Ed Roush. Yeah. At number eight. Yeah. And so... Yeah. And... I should also point out that modern era, 
you would exclude Bid McPhee. Bid McPhee is an ambiguous figure in Reds records. Yeah, I'm, I, I am going to exclude him. So that would move uh, Votto up to seventh after he passes Roush. Again, because yeah. Bid McPhee played from 1882 to 1899. It was a different game, and, and when we really consider statistics, everyone pretty much goes modern era. Yeah, 1901. That's yeah. where we. So, so we have him at number seven within the next week. Yeah. Chance he's going to be at number six by the end of the year, depending on how things go. Because Veda Pinson, he's uh, what is he? 101 hits behind Veda Pinson. Yeah. So that could have, that'll be either end of this season, beginning of next season. You yeah. Think. Next season as well, he's going to pass Tony Perez. Yeah. So we're talking just next season. Probably by the All Star break next season, he's going to be top five. Yeah, because he'll pass Tony. He'll pass Tony Perez. Tony Perez was good. Tony Perez was good. wasn't as good as Joey Votto, but he was good. So um, he's at one thousand seven hundred eighty hits. Yeah, and I guess the question is, how many years does he have left, and how many hits does he have left in him? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of agree because there's a big gap with with the the. the Listener, I'm not going to say viewer. I'm just never going to give you that. Um, <laughs> there's there's a gap of almost 300 hits between Bench and Concepcion, and I think that that is probably a gap that Joey Votto doesn't quite make. Yeah, because we're looking at what like four more Joey Votto years after this year, most likely. Yeah. Um, and he's currently 550 hits behind Concepcion. It's awfully hard to, to view. You know, everybody knows I love Joey Votto. I'm on the record as this, as such. But everybody ages, and I, I have a hard time believing Joey Votto is going to truly, really be a full-time player at the end of that contract. Um, he had 143 hits last year. Yeah, I, it's conceivable he could pass Concepcion, but I think it's unlikely. I think he'll be, he might get close. You know, what's really interesting, though, is that Larkin's only 14 ahead of Concepcion. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's one of those circumstances where if, if Votto aged really especially well, he could very easily end up second. But I think I think behind Concepcion is, is probably where he's going to come to rest. Probably fourth, yeah. I think right ahead of, I think he'll get Johnny Bench. Yeah, uh, and the numbers it's Pete Rose one, Barry Larkin two, Dave Concepcion three, Bid McPhee's technically four, but we'll say Johnny Bench four, Tony Perez five. I think he's definitely going to get Perez next year. Uh, Bench he'll get, and uh, yeah, and we'll, yeah. I wouldn't bet on him catching Larkin and Concepcion, but as we've said with Joey Votto, I wouldn't Don't. bet against it either. I mean, it's within reach. Yeah, I'm, it's so fun to just look at Joey Votto, though. You know, there's been he's been passing a lot of people lately, and so you know, I know the Reds have been tweeting that out. He's any any day now, he's going to pass Concepcion and be third in in team history in doubles. Um, he just passed Johnny Bench for fourth. Um, he's probably a fair bet to pass Larkin. Probably not going to pass Rose. Um, in walks, he's going to pass Rose either this season or next season for the all-time lead. Yeah, he's second. Um, he's second in walks right now. Yeah, and he'll get there next season probably, or the yeah. year after. But some, yeah. he will definitely get that. No matter what happens, he's at least going to pass Tony Perez for third all-time in home runs for the franchise. Um, 
probably will pass Robinson too. Bench bench seems a little bit out of reach right now. Um, yeah, I could see him getting to passing Robinson at three twenty four. He has two seventy yeah. or two seventy three currently. I could see him getting to number two all time in home runs. Yeah, and he, this still gets Joey Votto, so you never know. <laughs> exactly. Don't bet against him. Also, well, I look at that hits list, and he is his on base percentage is forty five points higher than any, anyone else above him on the hits list. Yeah. Next closest is forty five. He's also number eight in career RBIs for the Reds. And, and number eight in career runs for the Reds. And, you know, I look at RBI, he's going to get, I think he's going to get to number three on the RBI list. Yeah. And, which, and that's been the biggest complaint for everyone. He's going to be behind Johnny Bench and Tony Perez for RBI. Yeah, yeah you're right. He is. Where'd you have now, him in runs? People, you're gonna get you're gonna get responses. They're like, Joey Votto only has 11 RBIs this year. Yeah, but he's gonna get there. Yeah, I mean, if he plays four more years, where does he have to get? He's 908 now. He's got to get to get some year. To get to number three, he has to get a you know 150. Yeah, RBIs for the rest of his career, 160. Yeah. Um, <laughs> come on, he's gonna get that. Yeah. Whatever I, RBIs are, are what they are, but they are. It's fine. It is. I, I love. I love going back and looking at these lists of all time and seeing how well Votto compares because this is a guy we have watched his entire career. So much fun to you know he and Larkin to me are the two guys that I love. Look at these lists because these are guys that I really watched their entire careers, and uh, you have some affinity for those guys. Yeah, and they're at the top of every one of these lists. My my favorite Joey Votto stat, which I realized I hadn't checked in a while and I needed to, he's 54th in career history in stolen bases. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's just such a random stat. It is random. Number four in doubles. Yeah. Oh, man. Joey Votto, what a beautiful human. <sighs> Love Joey Votto. Who's number one on the Reds all-time hits by pitch? Hit by pitches. I don't hate to say that. I assume it's Rose. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Frank Robinson, man, they used to throw at Robinson in the sixties. Oh yeah, yeah. Don Drysdale, that bunch of idiots. So number three all time in hit by pitches for the Reds, Jason Larue. Wow. I know, right? I would not have guessed that. I just, I've just pulled this up now. Yeah. Crazy. Wow, Robinson got hit a ton. Yeah. Teams, well, if you read this book that's uh, that's out called The Big 50, The Men and Moments Made the Cincinnati Reds, the chapter where we talk about that a lot, really teams would go against him. But then at the end of his Reds career and then throughout his Orioles career, the word was, do not hit this guy because he's going to take it out on you. Because every time he got hit he in a, in a big game, he came back and hit a home run later or a double or something. So anyway, that's probably a good place to uh, stick a pin in this one. Don't you think, Jason Linden? I think that we can stick a pin in it, yes. Because we could probably keep going for a while if we wanted to. This is Red Leg Nation Radio. Thank you for listening. As always, thanks for downloading. Uh, if you like us, talk about us. Tell your friends. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. We're everywhere you find your podcasts, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever. Spotify, we're everywhere. We should be everywhere. You can uh, subscribe. It's free to subscribe. You can support us. Toss a couple bucks our way at uh, Patreon if you wish. Not necessary. If you, you know, it's, We're going to be free every Friday at the very least. And, of course, this week, two uh, two podcasts into our free feed. 
You can read uh, redlegnation.com where we've been talking about the Reds every single day since 2005. You can find Jason. I want to point everyone to his piece this week at the Hardball Times, which is a uh, really interesting piece that we kind of talked about a little bit before. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but you and I had talked about it. Loved it. I hadn't told you yet uh, about the minor league ball this year. That published uh, today or yesterday? Uh, yesterday. Yesterday. So it's still... By the time people are listening to this, it will be Wednesday. Yeah. Still fresh at the Hardball Times and really good piece with some good quotes from uh, some of the Reds uh, minor league coaches. And uh, it really gave, gave me a lot to think about. So go read there. He's at Jason Linden on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C. Uh, we are at Red Leg Radio on Twitter.com. Jason, any final thoughts for us here today? Go Reds. Go Reds. I mean, they've got to go at some point soon. We need some. We need some of that enthusiasm for Jason yes. Linden and Bruce Springsteen. This is Chad Dotson enjoying the glory days and saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.